0: This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse and this week we preview the men's and women's rowing seasons. The women are looking to defend their 2015 NCAA championship. We'll take a look back at the NCAA championships for Bates Swimming and talk to our Bobcats of the week. Women's Swimming Sarah DeHair and Ben Rosen of Men's Tennis. All that and more coming up On the Bates Bobcast. Women's swimming sent nine student athletes to the NCAA championships this past week, and Riley Ewing represented the men's team at Nationals as well. The Bates women finished 12th in the nation out of 55 teams. They were led by senior Lindsey Progovis, who finished with six All-American honors, and junior Sarah DeHare, who also tallied six All-American finishes. DeHare's best finish was in the 200 IM, where she came in second in the nation. She becomes only the second Bates swimmer to finish as a national runner-up, and she now has 17 All-American finishes to her credit. The most ever for a Bates student-athlete. For her efforts, Sarah DeHaer is our female Bobcat of the week. Your very first day at nationals this year, you get second place in the two hundred IM. The only other bait swimmer to ever get second place at nationals is your assistant coach Vanessa Williamson. So how cool was that?
1: Uh, it was actually really awesome. So we actually ended up taking a picture like right after my race, which I think is on the Facebook page. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was like a it was a really crazy race to be honest. Um, nothing I had ever anticipated um, going into it, and. So it was really nice to come out with that type of finish, I guess.
0: So what made the race crazy?
1: I, I don't know, I think I think this entire meet was really more about racing than it was about times. I know I was talking to to Peter about this um, and how we were kind of surprised that no one was like breaking a ton of national records. Um, people were adding time like crazy, even the ones who didn't particularly taper for conferences. Um, so they were a little more rested coming into this meet. Um, and so, I guess we were kind of surprised as to why people weren't dropping um, huge amounts of times and, and breaking all these records. Um, and so, it just came down to like getting your hand on the wall first and not necessarily about what time you were going. Um, and so, like for me, like that race wasn't even a best time for me, um, even in the finals. So. Um, it was kind of like how how is it that I you know didn't play second in years past and didn't go a best time and now all of a sudden this year it happens um, and so I guess it was just kind of a toss up but I mean it worked out for the best so. <laughs> yeah,
0: and the very next day though Bates did set a couple of uh, program records and uh, including a relay team you were part of uh, obviously the relay teams are again very successful. What was that like that dynamic on uh, multiple relays for you?
1: Yeah, um, it definitely added up in terms of swims throughout the week. <laughs> um, so in terms of like exhaustion, um, it definitely got it definitely got to that point where it it became really exhausting towards the end of the week. Um, and we actually ended up having to shuffle some relays around. Um, we were having some like, uh, people were getting sick on our team a little bit. Um, so that was, uh, a bit detrimental to, um, kind of our strategy going into the meet. So we kind of had to change that, um, while, while we were in the middle, um, which was fine because we have the depth to do that. Um, which we're really fortunate to, um, to have that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, like, it was fun, though. I think people really enjoyed, um, you know, getting to be, like, on a relay at nationals, like, with, with, these, with these women that you train with for, you know, weeks and days and hours on end um, throughout the entire season. And so um, the morale is definitely there, especially in those races. Um, and it's super awesome to be able to, to come back to finals and then swim in a relay with um, some really incredible teammates.
0: And, you know, I, know, I guess from, from your perspective, from your perspective, or I guess from any bait swimmers' perspective, the finals, I know there's, like, the top eight, and then there's yeah. the constellation finals in, in most of the races. Yeah. Does it really matter to you guys which one you're in? Or, I mean, obviously you would love to be a top eight, but, yeah. like, you get All-American either way, right?
1: True. Yeah. Um, I actually think, like, the, the second, so the, the heat before the top eight. So, like... Um, Ninth through 16th is like a technically honorable mention All-American. Um, but yeah, you technically are All-American anyway, but you also want to score as many points for the team as possible. And so you're automatically locked into the heat that you get into. So even if someone had the fastest time um, in the B-Constellation final, um, they'd still only score ninth. Um, So especially when it's a scoring meet um, and you're trying to be, um, you know, I think our our program looks to be one of the top 10 teams in the country um, moving forward. And so, you know, the the more you can get into those top eight finals, the better.
0: Well, 12th place this year, 11th place last year. I mean, both very good finishes. I mean, were, were you thinking about that a result or were you not even anticipating any expectations about where you might place overall as a team?
1: Um, I think we were probably hoping for a little bit better, um, and, and that, you know, that could have just been due to, um, you know, people getting sick, people not feeling well, um, and, and I thought people swam really well. And so sometimes stuff like that just happens and, um, it's not like, you know, we, you know. Other teams deserve it more than we do. It just it just kind of happened that way. Um, And we're also like in in comparison to a lot of other teams, like we're relatively small, like we only have nine women, whereas in a lot of these teams, you know, especially like Emory and Kenyon and Denison, they're bringing like a full 18 women on that squad. Um, And so, you know, numbers definitely help, especially when you're when you're trying to gain as as many points as possible. And so I don't think we were going in with too much expectation, um, but I think we were really pleased with with the overall result.
0: And then obviously some of your teammates did very well also. Lindsey Progovis got Mm -hmm. got a bunch of All-Americans as well. How cool is that to see?
1: It was awesome, especially because um, we had four senior women on our team. And so um, for them to to swim really well, especially at like their last competitive um, collegiate meet, was super awesome, Um, just to watch them have so much fun and to swim really well. and to just like enjoy the experience with them, um, especially since it was their last time. So yeah, it was it was great.
0: Now you as a junior, not your last time, you got <laughs> one more coming up. Uh, so off season, what do you do in terms of your training? I mean, do you take any time off right now or not? <laughs> yeah,
1: um, I mean, I got kind of hit back with reality, especially coming back to the snow and the amount of schoolwork. And March yeah. is always a crazy month for for Bates College in general. Um, and so for right now, I'm trying to you know focus on academics, and so I'll probably take you know, about a week off or so from the pool, just give me some time mentally to, to kind of check out um, from Tarbell and and then kind of get back into it um, until I leave um, for the end of the semester. So maybe ramp back up, um, start doing some lifting, do some running, do some other sorts of activities just to like keep the mind fresh, get the body moving. Um, and then I'll probably be training back at home over the summer with the club team that I've been with for, you know, however many years it's been. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what, what I look towards to do uh, for the summer.
0: And then looking at you know your future in terms of events you'd be swimming, are there any other events that you'd like to I guess work on or swim more, or how in terms of uh, what you're looking to improve on I guess for your senior year?
1: Yeah, um, I, I think it'll depend. Um, I think it'll be interesting with the freshmen that we have coming in. So we have we have some really talented. Um, recruits um, that are coming in for the class of 2020 which i think will be a tremendous help um, not only just like individually but also for relays we can make um, several different combinations with that um and so i guess for me i haven't really decided that um it could be fun to swim something different i'm not sure if that's something i want to do yet um but i i mean i guess looking to improve in in some of the little things like working more on my underwaters um Doing more butterfly sets for sure help help my AM get stronger. Um, working on my brush stroke a little bit more. Um, so I guess it's more like fine-tuning and just making sure I have a consistent base um, coming into next year.
0: Yeah, you touched on uh, the recruits coming in without naming anyone specific, obviously. But we'll talk about in general. I mean, you've been with this program now three years, and the success the last two have been has been outstanding. Yeah. Have you noticed that talent coming in, increasing you know, the level in terms of the, you know the talent of the swimmers?
1: Yeah, I think so, um, and I think. It will only continue to improve, um, but I also think that it's not just the people that are coming in, but it's also people who are already on the team that have like consistently improved um, throughout their career. Um, and, and, and a clear example is like the four women: Melissa, Whitney, Caroline, and Lindsay. Um, who um, were seniors this year and, and made it to nationals and have been, the, and have been there and, and scored so many points for us and have just been fantastic teammates. And so um, to have that kind of leadership and have that foundation, I think, is helpful in, in moving the program forward.
0: All right, well, we're looking forward to next year already. Congrats again on a great performance at nationals. Sarah DeHara, our female Bobcat of the Week. Thank you very much. The women's lacrosse team split a pair of games this past week, defeating Roger Williams 13-4 to on Tuesday and taking third-ranked Trinity to the wire in a 6-5 road loss on Saturday. Speaking of rankings, the women's lacrosse team is moving on up to 13th in the country, according to the Intercollegiate Women's Lacrosse Coaches Association. The men's lacrosse team took on Trinity in the Bobcats' home opener on Saturday, and Bates won 13-8 to move to 5-1 on the year. Senior Jack Allard scored four goals
2: in the win. Um, I thought that was a really good um, win for us, especially in NESCAC, uh, in NESCAC opponent. Um, in the home opener, it was really fun, especially we got, we got New Jersey's this year. We came out looking nice and we, we felt great. Um, I think we, we started off a little slow, but uh, near the end of the game, especially I think the third quarter, we really started picking it up, both on defense and offense.
0: I know obviously last year a breakthrough year, first ever NCAA tournament bid. This year you're ranked in the top ten in the country. How are you guys dealing with kind of like the expectations, if you will?
2: Yeah, um, that's something that we, we talked about in the beginning of the season, that there was a lot of uh, preseason hype on us, and we, we kind of we just want to take it one day at a time, uh, work really hard. We, we try not to look too much into, into the rankings and, and look at each opponent as they come up.
0: And then this week you've got two games, non-conference Wednesday against Keene State, a team we played twice last year. What do you remember about them?
2: So yeah, we played them. I've played them every year here, and last year we played them twice. Um, both times we won, um, but the second time that we played them in the playoffs, uh, they had definitely they had been in the playoffs before, and we had never been there. So um, it was definitely a harder, hard-fought game. Um, they're very skillful. We know that their offense is is very fast and very efficient. Um, but I have a lot of. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, rely, I, I'm, I can rely on our defense a lot because th- those guys are really why we're, we're good this year I mean I, with Joe Faria and the goal stops a lot of saves uh, for us which is awesome um, and I think it's just about um, being efficient on our offense as well
0: and then another home game Saturday against Williams and you mentioned off the air the, the one NESCAC team you haven't beaten during your time here so how fired up are you guys for that game
2: yeah that one will definitely be personal for us um we as a senior class is the one team that we have not beaten yet um, and I don't, I don't think a lot of senior classes can say that so we're, we're trying to get that one and I think that, that'll that'll mean a lot to us.
0: And then you know from your perspective your role on the team obviously you're on offense and whatnot I mean you mentioned defense being the key to success how does the great defense uh, help out your offense?
2: Oh yeah well, I, I was saying this to Joe last last week um, I think in practice, leading up to the Trinity game, we scored maybe five goals on them. Those guys are so good that they make they bring the best out in us as an offense. Um, I have to shoot very efficiently in practice to even score on them. Uh, so I think that really helps all of us uh, when come game time.
0: I read that Joe tried to score in the game. Oh, yeah. what, what happened there? There was, I guess, the
2: Trinity had a ten man ride, meaning the goalie comes out of the goal to pick up an attackman, and. Um, the time was running down. You have thirty seconds to get it over. So uh, Joe looked over, saw the empty net, and shot it right at the goal. He actually, unfortunately, missed, but I was there to back it up. So it was a it was a successful clear. So it was a really good play, actually.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. And then wh- you personally, how have you seen the lacrosse program grow since you were a first year? You're a senior now.
2: Yeah, it's it really has grown in a in a very big way. Uh, my, my freshman year, we were five hundred seven and seven, and we and we felt really good about that. That was a very good season for us. We made the NESCAC tournament, and lost the Tufts. The next year, we was one of the, one of the worst seasons for sure, and, it, and I think we took that personally. And as, as a class, as it, when I became a junior, our junior class, and then the seniors from last year. Uh, we want to change the program, and I think uh, it, it clearly showed with the hard work and effort that we put in, and then going into this year, we're trying to ca- kind of get that same momentum that we had at the end of last year.
0: Yeah, because last year, it's like halfway through the year, a light went on or something. What happened there? <laughs> yeah, well, I
2: think I think a, a big part of that was uh, we, we got Charlie Fay back from, from injury, and um, he, he kind of surprised the NASCAC and other teams, and he, he came out there, which actually opened up the door for myself and some other offensive guys to score as well, because once they start uh, other teams start scouting him, they, they kind of overplay and then suddenly the door opens up for other guys. So it's great. And I think uh, we use that to move into this year as well.
0: Yeah, and talking to Coach Lasagna, he talks about you know, the importance of watching film on the other team. How much film you know, study do you do yourself?
2: Um, personally, I definitely look at film every time. We, we, get, we have access to see um, a lot of the games. Uh, so I always try and watch myself and see what I can change um, and, and what I did well to see what I can keep mo- doing moving forward. Um, I, I, I mainly watch offense, uh, but my, my roommate, Dave Cappellini, who's also a captain, uh, watches the defensive plays so that I get, I get the rundown from both sides so that uh, we can move forward and, and uh, correct the bad things and keep doing the good things.
0: Yeah, last question for you, I guess. Moving forward, good start, 5-1, obviously, nice start to the year. What are you looking to improve on, maybe specifically for you and then also as a team?
2: So for myself, I think this year I've, I've really been trying to – uh, get my assist total up I, I think um, I, I want to start distributing a little bit more uh, with guys like Kyle Weber and Charlie Fay I usually finish a lot of those passes that I give it to them um, so I, I, personally that's what I've been trying to work on and I think as a team um, I think starting off games uh, a little bit better because I think we, we let teams stay in with us a little too long and, and, and I think that kind of hurt us against Amherst um, and I believe that if we, if we come out firing and get up early there's no way that anyone can stop us
0: well, two home games this week, Wednesday against Keene State, and then Saturday, big one against Williams. Jack Allard, thanks so much.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: With the victory, the men's lacrosse team is now sixth in the nation in the United States Intercollegiate Lacrosse Association poll. Our male bobcat of the week is sophomore Ben Rosen. He plays at number one singles and number one doubles for the 23rd-ranked men's tennis team, and they had quite a week, going 2-0 and at the Blue-Grey Classic at the University of Mary Washington. Bates beat number 31, Swarthmore, 7-2 to on Friday, and tournament host number 21, Mary Washington, 6-3 to on Saturday. Rosen went undefeated at singles and doubles. Joined by our male Bobcat of the Week, Ben Rosen of the men's tennis team. A nice 2-0 week for you guys there in Virginia. How was the trip? Obviously, it worked out pretty well on the courts.
3: Yeah, it was a great trip. Um, we started off the weekend with a good win over Swarthmore, who had a good... Good season last year and uh, we really took control of doubles. We went up 2-1 and uh, I think our singles was too deep that day and we had a lot of tough matches but we were able to pull through 7-2.
0: Yeah and then obviously you followed that up with a nice win over Mary Washington also but from your perspective you're playing number one singles this year after playing number five last year as a first year so what's that transition been like for you?
3: Uh, It's been pretty uh, pretty tough. it's a big difference because obviously every match I'm tested and that was the case last year too, but this year especially I have to bring my my best game every day and these guys are really, they really want it as much as I do. So it's a big test and we just have to out our opponents. That's really our, our motto for the team.
0: Yeah, and then um, how do you prepare, I guess, for this season? I know there's a fall season for you guys.
3: Uh, yep, yeah, we have a abbreviated fall season, which uh, consists of three mini-tournaments, and uh, I think we we really try to like uh, set our doubles lineup and try to understand what teams work, what teams don't work. In the fall, Chris was abroad, nice. and so I didn't get a chance to experiment with him, but it was a good chance for us to really see where we're at level-wise.
0: Yeah, because you are playing at number one doubles also with Chris, who went to Nationals last year and doubles with a different partner, so a new doubles partner for both of you. How, how's that chemistry working out so far?
3: It's doing really well. Um, it's uh, We kind of complement each other pretty nicely. Um, we have different game styles completely on the court. Energy-wise, he's very, very intense and so am I, but he really like gets into it. And uh, I'm more of a laid-back guy, but we're both intense, we're both competitive. He really takes control at the net. He, he makes it easier for me, so I just have to sit back at the baseline and watch him do his thing, but he's a really nice guy. I like playing with him.
0: I know we've talked about this with a couple of tennis players, but Sometimes you're indoors. Sometimes you're outdoors. Depending on where you're at, who you're playing, what location, what's the which do you prefer first of all, and what's the biggest challenge of each?
3: Uh, I'd say I prefer indoors mainly because uh, my serve is coming together pretty nicely. I could kind of hold serve easier indoors, and that's what we've been practicing on throughout the year. And so whenever we have to go outdoors, it's a wider, it's a pretty large transition. Um, and I'd say the difficulty of going outdoors is that it's just a different game style. You really, you know, there's an extra ball. You can't really put the ball away uh, like you can indoors. And last year, one thing that definitely affected us was the wind and it's hard to prepare for that. And uh, that's definitely one of the toughest things about playing outdoors.
0: Now you're from New York state. And so, but you decided obviously to come up here to Maine
3: for school. So what attracted you to Bates? Uh, definitely the coach. Coach Gastengay was the main attraction because I could tell right away that he he knew his stuff. He's a very uh, he's, he was a very good tennis player, he has extensive knowledge of the game and I, I knew that. Also I was looking for uh, a small school with great academics which Bates of course offered and I met the team on my visit and who are, the guys who are now juniors and seniors, they're great guys and they really pushed me to go to Bates, and I'm really glad that I did.
0: Nescaq play, basically, you already had one Nescaq game, right? And yep. then you've got a bunch coming up. And so what do you remember last year from NESCAC play? What lessons do you take to this year?
3: Uh, main lesson, I'd say, is that there's no easy matches. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if the, if the team's ranked, like, in the lower end of the Nescaq rankings. Every match is a battle. And if you don't bring your A game, if you don't compete your hardest, then it's pretty easy to just not come out on top that day. But um, I've had some good memories of Merrill matches where, like, the energy is very, uh, it's there and it's, the crowd's pretty loud. And I'm, I'm looking forward to playing our rivals like Bowden and Colby, and it's going to be exciting.
0: All right, Ben Rosen, our male Bobcat of the Week, thanks so much. Great, thanks. The women's team also participate in the Blue-Grey Classic over the weekend. And Olivia Vakala won 6-4, 6-2 at number 6 singles on Friday against 21st-ranked Case Western Reserve. Although the women's team didn't win that match or matches against Mary Washington and the College of New Jersey over the weekend, a lot of the matches were very close, and the tough competition gives them great preparation for the return of NESCAC play next week. The baseball team took on Middlebury in a non-conference doubleheader this past Saturday, and the Bobcats won Game 1 2-1 behind the outstanding pitching of Connor Colombo. Eric Villanova's two-run home run proved to be the difference in the game. It's the first home run of his career. Colombo tossed six innings of two-hit ball, striking out seven batters along the way for the victory. The lone run he allowed was unearned. In Game 2, Brendan Fox hit his first career homer, but Bates fell in extra innings by a score of 4 3. Then on Sunday, Bates dropped a high scoring game to Husson on the road by a score of 9 7. Softball went to Florida for 10 games in five days this past week. Although Bates struggled in the circle on the trip, their offense was outstanding, with first year Andrea Russo hitting 438, junior Maddie Inlow hitting 406, and senior Karen Lockhart hitting 382 with a home run. The defending NCAA champion women's rowing team is back in action this week, along with the men's team at the Murphy Cup this Saturday. We sat down with head coach Peter Steenstra to preview the
4: 2016 rowing season. Looking forward to getting some early competition is the biggest aspect of it. Um, we can go from from here all the way down to rowable water no matter what any, on any given year which is why we make this commitment for such a big regatta. Um, but it being real early and, and this year being in Philadelphia, which is a, a, an old traditional course, kind of like the Head of the Charles course in Boston, the Schuylkill River is a traditional race course. It's, there's a spot there where there's something called Boathouse Row, where there's a whole line of old, old boathouses. So for the for the rowers, it's, it's kind of going to one of the three major Rowing meccas in North America. It's a real treat to go down there and just see it.
0: You know. Nice, nice. So, um, how much do you think the student athletes appreciate that history?
4: <laughs> oh, I think they do a lot. They, you know, they. There aren't that many major rowing cities in the country, so um, we have a few kids who are from the Philadelphia area, um, so they obviously know about it. But it's it's fun for the Boston kids or from the kids that are from the West Coast who have maybe have never. Even seen the place, or never raced, certainly never raced there, so it's a good treat for them to be able to go down and see it. But obviously, the focus really is the competition. They're they're looking to, you know, we don't go down there with the expectation of winning everything, but we go down there with the expectation of performing well. And it's a it's such a large regatta that I know that all of our crews will get um, two races, so they have a heat and then a final, and that's why. Uh, from a budgetary standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to do this kind of a trip.
0: Sure, and then uh, I know we were talking about how last year was the latest spring ever. Obviously, it didn't hurt you guys, you won the national title, but this year is the earliest spring ever. So what's that been like this year to have so much uh, springtime so far?
4: It's been really nice because we we got on the temp site, which is um, our alternate rowing location um, south of the city of Lewiston, we use uh, the, the Bell Farms, or the Bell family, allows us to launch from one of their farm locations, which is real nice of them. Um, but we got on them March 4th, we were on the water, which is more than a month earlier than last year. And we actually just got on the water in green yesterday. So March 21st, we were on the water in green, which is about three weeks ahead of what we did last year. So it, it's been nice. Um, getting that additional water time it's been a little inconsistent uh very cold some days uh we a lot of darkness before the time change that we had to kind of deal with it which, which really cut some of the sessions short but the one thing we can't do is use the excuse that we had last year which <laughs> is uh you know not having had any water time going to regattas and having you know no expectations or little expectations but it's different this year around. They have to have some expectations because they don't have the excuse of, have, of not having had water for the last two, three weeks.
0: I know a couple of weeks ago, you went down to Florida for
4: some scrimmages, I guess, right? Uh,
0: how'd that go for the men and women?
4: Well, we down when we go down there for that, it's purely training. Um, the scrimmaging that we did was only at the end of the week. Um, one scrimmage with Nova Southeastern for the women. Um, a scrimmage is not a 2K race. Um, what we did was we essentially do a practice together so two six-minute pieces 2 four-minute pieces and two two-minute pieces all at a controlled pace so it's not a flat-out race um, no one's really ready for it at that point of the year anyway and we're at the end of a training week so it's like the it was the whatever it be 11th practice for us in five days so that was that was why we do it that way and the guys unfortunately weren't able to to have their scrimmage with FIT, um, which is a great program that won the Dadville Regatta last year. Um, and we couldn't get it together because of class schedules on the FIT side and and uh, transportation issues for us. So it didn't work out.
0: Well, so I guess at this point, though, you probably have your women's varsity eight pretty much settled upon, men's varsity eight as well. So tell us, who's the women's varsity eight? Uh, who are the returnees? Who are the newcomers?
4: Uh, the The... We don't actually look at the women's varsity eight as just an eight. We call it the V sixteen. Oh, fair enough. Because it it, it <laughs> right. does it takes sixteen women to yes. go and win a national championship and right. two really good coxswains. So, um, the majority of the group is from the last year, uh, last year's group. But what I've been doing is I set the the varsity eight early, um, which we basically set in Florida, and then focus on the the Sort of the next eight women, so the 9 through 16, and then the 17 through 24, right? So we focus on that group of, of women in order to make sure we know that we have the right 16 people in that NCAA group. Um, and I think we're pretty close to that now, but as, as we've had early water, we've had some more results, and, and we're allowed, we're able to have some women move themselves around some reveal themselves and others get exposed as you go through the racing season that's just the way it is and on the guy side um, you know having the greatest results uh, in program history last year because they won the new england championships uh, six out of that eight return and they are in the exact same locations in the boat and so the two guys that have come in you know we have a freshman in the stroke seat which is a real big deal we got a sophomore who took over the two seat and uh, that, that boat, you know, nothing's ever set for sure. but it's, you know, it's a very tight boat, and I don't think they lost any speed. If anything, they're, they're gaining a little bit more. So,
0: Obviously a very, a very team-oriented, not so much how individuals. It's hard to see who which individuals stand out, but who are the coxswains, I guess, uh, that, uh, this year? Because they're kind of in a unique role, right?
4: They are, and uh, again, we didn't graduate any coxswains. Yeah. Um, so Marie uh, Wettstein is the men's varsity eight Coxswain. She's also one of the men's captains. Um, so she's hold on to that spot pretty pretty well, um, and on the women's side we have two very good coxswains and Abby Bierman, uh, who's the currently the two v cox and uh, Kate Traquina, who's the one v cox. Um, but I see them both as being, you know, the varsity 16 coxswain so to speak. I, I, I look at them as one and and when it comes down to it, we have to find the personality that's going to fit the crew the best. Um, so. There are occasions where you have a better coxswain in a second boat role. It's rare, but it, it's out there, and we keep that open, you know, as an option if we need to.
0: I know, like, because you mentioned the, you focus on really the RC-16, right, yeah. for for the women in particular, because last year, as we all know, it was the second boat that really did it for you guys, right, in terms of clinching the, the title and whatnot. And so what do you – is that emphasis – point of emphasis to the newcomers, you know, the first years in the program to say, hey – don't worry necessarily about being varsity eight, it's really about the 16.
4: Exactly, yeah, we we do talk a lot about that because the varsity eight is the crew that has to absorb all that pressure and and expectation, Um, and the the second eight is the crew that has to to do its job. It must have those points um, that come from the second eight, even though when you look at the point totals, there aren't that many points that the JV-8 can gather. But those two points can make all the difference, which was the case with last year. So finishing first or finishing second is a difference of two points, but it can mean everything. Um, and I, I think that we, we have the culture of the program in a place where it is understood that making that V-16 is the goal and not getting caught up in the ego of being in the V-8. Um,
0: how, how as a coach, I guess, when it is so team oriented and they're working together as a unit, you know, uh, on the river and whatnot, how, how as a coach, do you, you know, try to determine like maybe that 16th athlete as opposed to number 17? I mean, when it is such team oriented, how, it, how do you tell which individuals are truly thriving and which are maybe struggling more?
4: We do a lot of training indoors and mm-hmm. on those rowing machines, so we get a lot of information that way. Uh, we get a lot from going to Florida. Uh, what happened that week, um, people with illnesses and injuries come along and they, you know, they come and go, so to speak. But it just comes down to everyone understanding that you do have to perform every day and every single day is an opportunity. And when we get on the water as early as we have, we've been able to do some comparisons. Um, but we, er, we, we stress with them that they cannot wait for anything to happen. They can't wait for an opportunity. They have to perform on every single day, regardless of which boat that they're in. So if if all of a sudden the 2V isn't going well, and I'm watching the crew, and it just isn't moving well, I'll look at, at Coach Doolittle, and I'll say, what's going on in the 3V? Because they'll be moving really well for some reason. And when that is going on, even if it's not a race-style piece, not a competitive piece, we might move someone from one boat to the other, even for the sake of, of, you know, the coaches seizing the opportunity, right? Because something's happening over there in that third boat that is making sense and the boat is moving well. And there's something happening in the second boat that is not making sense and not moving well. So we try to identify what that is by making a change.
0: And then, you know, throughout the regatta season, obviously we were just getting started this weekend, but, I mean, Which are the regards that particularly maybe stand out? Are there there ones that are more important than others, or are they all pretty much equal leading up to NCAAs for the women?
4: I wouldn't say that they're all equal. Um, I'm sure that the athletes themselves kind of have their favorite races. Um, Mm -hmm. But one that's really important for us is, of course, the President's Cup, something we look forward to. And, um, you know, it being the very – Personal and and close rival that we have with Colby and Bowdoin, it's uh, it's something that we do, we take seriously. Um, even though we have a nice long string of wins, you know none of that is taken for granted. Um, but in terms of the the rest of the schedule coming up on April second, the men and the women both are, have a chance to race the Harvard lightweights, which is new for us and very exciting because they're perennial top level Division one programs and. The fact that they're lightweights doesn't mean anything at all to us. Uh, so so it should be good competition, and we're hoping to hang with, with both of those crews.
0: And I know we've talked before how the women's side, it's, it's an NCAA sport, so there's the NCAA national title, obviously, that you guys won last year. The men's side, not an NCAA sport. I mean, does that change anything at all, really? Is it, is it just really about the, the goals and whatnot? I mean, and is there any possibility down the road it could become one? Or, I mean, just big picture, I
4: guess. Uh, I wouldn't say that it changes much of anything in our approach. Um, From a coaching standpoint, it changes that I kind of have the men and the women on two slightly different calendars as we're going into the final phases of the season, and I'll spend a little more time with the men um, going into, say, New England championships and the ECAC uh, because that's the end of their season no matter what. So they could win that big regatta called the National Invitational Rowing Championship they could win that, and no matter what happens, they're done. Um, We actually have a little bit of legislation on the the books right now, trying to allow the winning NESCAC school to accept a bid into what's called the IRA regatta, which would be the national championship for men's rowing that has been going on for 100 and something years. So if we went there, we'd be racing all Division one all ivy League, you know the the top of the cream of the crop sort of thing. So we wouldn't be going there with the expectation of winning a national championship, right because it's just you know it's just out of out of our reach and you know you, got, you gotta know your limitations <laughs> right. um but but it would be a great opportunity if if like last year we could have accepted that mm. you know um Hobart College, which is also d three they finished ahead of us last at last year's championship regatta so they accepted that bid and ended up finishing i think 16th or 17th which you know we would have been a few seconds behind them
0: Interesting, interesting. Okay, and then um, I know we're all very excited about the, the new boathouse is getting built. That's going to be done in the fall. I mean, how will that change things for you um, from a practice side and a strategy and whatnot?
4: <laughs> it'll mean we have electricity. And <laughs> it'll mean we have uh, heat and we have locker rooms. All good things. Yeah. 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 No, it it it'll change things. I think in terms of recruiting right. and, and all that. But we're we're doing a lot to make sure that we don't lose sight of where we came from. And that it doesn't—we don't need uh, a big, beautiful facility in order to win regattas. Uh, it, obviously, we've already been able to prove that you can do that from a pole barn with a dirt floor. <laughs> um, but it, it does upgrade the program to where it should be. You know, they, the the team has earned this, to say the least. Um, but really, it's a safety feature, and it allows us to do some additional training out there. It allows the boats to stay safer and keep everything indoors the way they should be gives me a um, repair bay that uh, so we can fix our own equipment which we haven't been able to do yet um, and ha- we'll have a team room out there with so we can do some video analysis that's been very difficult to, to do because you know the the athletes are very busy and they have to find time to come into the office and watch a little video and it's it's hard to do.
0: Well, it should be that should be great, uh, and maybe maybe though the key to the success was the lack of electricity. We'll we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> if
4: that's the case, I'll turn the lights off. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, feeders, teamsters, thanks so much. We're looking forward to the Murphy Cup this weekend. The entire rowing season from the men and the women. The sixth-ranked men's lacrosse team is home this Wednesday at five o'clock against Keene State, and they're home Saturday as well when they take on Williams at one o'clock. Meanwhile, the thirteenth-ranked women's lacrosse team visits Williams this Saturday at noon. Women's tennis is at Bapson this Wednesday, and baseball visits Salem State for a doubleheader on Saturday. We'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, bates right, till the end, right, till the end right 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 till the end, right for a half a mile.